0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. There is a terrific short documentary film currently running on Netflix, Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis. It is the story of a group of young Jewish refugees who are assigned to guard a top secret POW camp near Washington, DC. These Jewish soldiers soon discover that their prisoners are none other than Hitler's top scientists. What starts out as an intelligence mission to gather information from the Nazis soon gets a shocking twist when the Jewish soldiers are tasked with a different mission altogether. Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis, uncovers a story that for a lot of Americans sounds too fantastical to be true. But in the waning days of World War II and after World War II ended officially in Europe, the United States government was actively recruiting former Nazi scientists and political and military leaders to work with them in what was anticipated to be a war against the Soviet Union and Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis, goes a long ways into exploring this subject as well as giving us an historical context for what was going on. We're joined today by one of the co-directors of the film. In addition to Moore Loshi, the co-director, we're joined today by Daniel Savon. Daniel, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, and thank you for this film. As we mentioned, or I mentioned to you before we started, this is something that has been on my radar for a while. The United States recruitment of Nazis, fascist uh, intelligence officers after and during, actually during and after World War II. How did you come to this subject and what inspired this particular project?
1: So uh, I was wrapping up uh, The Devil Next Door, which is a Netflix documentary series uh, that focused on the Damianuk trial and the Demyanuk trial was a trial of an auto worker from cleveland who was accused of being ivan the terrible uh notorious nazi camp guard and the documentary actually ends with this you know portrayal of how the u.s really welcomed so many ex-Nazis into into its country and once we were wrapping it up I was approached by Benji and Jonah Bergman the producers of this film who were working on it for a couple of years And they told me that story, and I shared it with more. And both of us just didn't believe it. It was so out there, so fictional. I mean, the story basically is a story of a group of Jewish refugees that were escaping Nazi-occupied Europe. And they found refuge in the U.S., were recruited into the army and they dreamt of flying back to europe and taking their revenge fighting against their prosecutors against the nazis and they all end up in this camp and they have no idea what they're going to find out it's just they were just landed there And once they come into the camps, they're tasked with a mission in which they're supposed to interrogate Nazis. Just this meeting between Jewish refugees and Nazis is just so unimaginable on American soil during World War II. For us, at first, like, you know, we, we had some questions like, I mean, how is this even possible? And how did we not hear about this story? It was really classified for over 50 years. Then Jono and Benji um, let us listen to these recordings by the National Park Service, which were recently declassified. And these were audio recordings they conducted with the survivors, with the veterans. In them, you can really hear the people giving their story for the first time after it's declassified. And once we heard these audio tapes, we were sold. We just said like, yes, we're going to do it. Uh, so we set out to this mission, all four of us, and it was quite a ride.
0: Those recordings, were you said, were recently de- declassified. Is that right?
1: So it was kept in perfect secret, like many, many, even most of the gods actually took it to their graves. Then in 2006, the National Park Service succeeded in declassifying it They appealed, you know, using FOIA to the the U.S. government, and it was declassified. And once it was declassified, they set out quickly to interview with their historians all of these surviving veterans. And you can hear, you know, 70, 80, 90-year-old men that are recounting their memories as 18 year old 17 year old boys and that's how we have this information and it's just such such an amazing work by the national park service bringing it to light
0: peter and arno are the to people that we with it we spent a lot of time with in the film,
1: Peter and Arno are, to our knowledge, the only living survivors, mm. and it's pretty amazing. I mean, I wish that you know now that people are gonna see this film, like that maybe we can find more living people. But as far as we know, all all the other veterans have passed. Once Jono and Benji found out that Arno is still alive, they contacted him um, and he was all too happy to share his story. And just one week before we went to film him, they discovered Peter, which is actually, he was a very good friend of his during the camp. Like they were friends 50 years ago. And it was so amazing just to interview the both of them. Back then they were 94 years old and, the memories are so vivid it's like it was yesterday.
0: The camp was called PS 1142 and it was fairly close to Washington DC. It sounds like it might have even been in the district. I'm I'm not quite sure or it was in Virginia. I'm not quite sure. It, it's
1: Virginia. It's uh it's Fort Hunt just across the the Potomac River okay. and the camp was called PO Box 1142 because it had no name it it like you know it, it was really classified even then and it was just a post box office <laughs> post office box and it was a code name and it it this is a camp that had no name it was yeah. totally yeah. off the grid off the records
0: correct me if i'm wrong but most of the nazis that were being housed there had a scientific background is that correct it, So
1: it was actually, it happened in two waves. In the first wave, um, they picked up um, soldiers from the front line, like they brought in SS officers, they brought in soldiers that were fighting on the Russian front, anybody that they could capture. And then when uh, just after the war ended or just before it ended, they started bringing in all the German scientists. And that was really a race between the U.S. and Russia who can pick up the most scientists.
0: Yeah, and just for just a little bit of historic background here, as, the, as World War II was coming to a close in 1944, at least the, the, uh, the campaign in Europe. There were two fronts. There was the Eastern Front where the Russians, the Soviets were moving forward towards Berlin and the Americans and the French and the British moving in from a different direction. And as these two forces were converging on Germany, on the heart of Germany and Berlin, they were, they were arresting and, and capturing a lot of different Nazi officials, SS, a lot of different people were being kind of scooped up as they moved closer to Berlin. And what's interesting about this film, uh, Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis, is that there is a sense that before the end of World War II, before it concluded, that the United States already knew or was preparing for a war against the Soviets. And so whoever could get the most of this brain power that was was still alive in Germany was going to be better off for the next war perception of the next war. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: Oh, Long, long, long before the war ended, like in the midst of the war, while the fighting was still going on, they captured soldiers from the front. And we read like the interrogations that the Jewish guards interrogators did with these German soldiers. And it's, it's just unbelievable because you would expect them to ask you know, a German guard, like what tanks does Hitler have? What weapons does Hitler have? They don't ask that. Like what they wanted to know is, oh, you fought against the Russians. So tell me, like, what do the Russians have? What kind of weapons do they have? Are they developing a nuclear bomb? What are they experimenting with? What kind of rockets do they have? And it's just, I mean, you know, for historians, it's not very surprising. But for me, uh, (laughs) which was less educated about the history of the Second World War and the Cold War, it's just unbelievable how they're intertwined. Like the U.S. was so aware that they're going to have another war with Russia. And obviously, the Cold War is a phrase that was... Uh, coined much much later nobody thought of it as a cold war people thought of it as the next world war
0: but one of the primary values of these Nazis that were being captured for for the Americans and I'm sure for the Soviets as well where the scientist Wernher von Braun was the person who is most credited with the with the design and the implementation of the v1 and v2 rockets and it was apparent that the Germans were in advance of most, if not the rest of the world, in terms of rocketry, right?
1: No doubt, no doubt. And they were developing, obviously, I think it was v V3 or the V4 that was designed to reach New York. I mean, they were really putting all of their efforts into long distance rockets and missiles yeah. and, um, you know, that in the end took us to the moon, but um, on the way there, it was really all about weaponry.
0: Without going down a rabbit hole here, Werner von Braun was in charge of a complex in, in which they were developing their ability to manufacture rockets, design and manufacture at a place called Nordhausen. And Nordhausen was one of the most notorious concentration camps, slave factories, slave wo- slave workers, in all of World War II, hundreds of thousands of Soviet Russian soldiers died in the production of the uh, rockets that were being produced at Nordhausen. And so he came to America with a very, very bloody background, but he was embraced by the US scientific community, or at least the, the American military community, right?
1: I think it's even more than that, because, you know, the the, the, the go-to excuse that people have, you know, ex, ex-Nazis or Nazi sympathizers or people that served the Nazis, they would say, oh, I had no idea about the final solution. I, I was only working for, you know, the German army. I didn't know that there was a plan to exterminate Jews. But... Werner von Braun also worked in Pinemunde, and Pinemunde was a factory in which they really manufactured the V2 rockets, and they had forced labor that was coming directly from Auschwitz. Now, when you have Jews that are coming from Auschwitz, you know exactly where they're coming from. You have full awareness of how this mechanism works. And again, I mean it's all that very, very, very cold calculation of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And now we have a new enemy, and the new enemy is Stalin. So right. yes, it's now it's the West. It's the West, the Germans and the Americans against the East. so we can make friends. What was so painful, you know, looking at this story is really how nobody from these Nazi scientists was ever held accountable like, you know, they were. Their crimes were whitewashed. And not only that, but they became American heroes. Like, you know, you, you can see in the end of the movie how there is a parade in honor of Werner von Braun. He also won so many awards and you have Kennedy shaking his hand proudly. And you have the Boy Scouts waving American flags. And of course, there is also an archive that we found, which is not in the film, but like of the day in which Werner von Braun got his American citizenship. And it's, it's pretty amazing seeing how this man became an American hero.
0: There's so much history here in this film. It is a short documentary film that is uh, currently uh, running on Netflix. And thank God for Netflix. <laughs> it has become <laughs> such a, an amazing again. platform for so many you know, different kinds of projects, certainly documentaries, short and long form. Your work, I just want to talk about just for a second, I want to talk about your, your work, Daniel Sivan, as well as more, Lushi, uh, some of the work you've done over those last few years. The Oslo Diaries, which was a terrific documentary. If you haven't seen it, please check this out. An amazing documentary about an amazing event that has become kind of buried in, in history. Uh, the potential that came out of Oslo, the Oslo agreements between the Palestinians and the Israelis, is a thing of distant history now. But at the time, it was seen as a real breakthrough and an opportunity to uh, to bring peace to that region of the world. But also, you just mentioned earlier, The Devil Next Door. The film, again, is called Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis. It is on Netflix. It's uh, it's a great watch. Thank you, Daniel Savon, And pass along my thanks to more Lushi for her work here as well. So thank you so much.